Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify, the fast, lean learning machine, the fastest learning, most revenue generating personalization platform for e-commerce. Hello, we're now up to episode five of this first ever series of the e-commerce growth show. This is the series where we're focusing in on what you as a retailer need to know about to take your sales growth to the next level in 2020. Each episode focuses on a different area and we've already spoken with Big Commerce's head of Europe, Mark Adams, about how the shifts in the tech space can give you a competitive advantage. We were joined by Segmentify's own Murat Soysal about the game-changing way in which astute retailers are leveraging on-site and off-site personalisation algorithms. Gavin Laugini from Dot Digital joined us to talk about shifting your business from batch and blast to a communication strategy that mirrors the customer journey. Brian Mapley from AdGem was our most recent guest, and he was all about mobile payments and internationalization. And if you want to take your growth to the next level, you have to be on top of those three. Each of those episodes is available for you to listen to right now via your podcast app of choice, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or something else. Whichever one you're listening via, please remember to subscribe to the show so you don't miss our future series. Yes, there'll be more coming after these ones. In this episode, we're shifting to look at how your post-purchase activities can impact on your future sales growth. And yes, that includes reviews. So if you're appreciating this brand new e-commerce podcast and you'd like to make sure Segmentify get me and Phil to do another series, then please do put a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as we'd love to hear what you think. I'm Chloe Thomas. I'm the host of the e-commerce master plan podcast, best-selling author of multiple books on e-commerce and co-host of this show too, as if you guys hadn't worked that out by now. I'm joined on every episode of the series by Phil Kay from Segmentify. Hello, Phil. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm intrigued to know why you wanted to include Bright Pearl in this series. Absolutely. Well, Bright Pearl is close to my heart. Uh, I actually used to work for Bright Pearl for quite a long time. And within the ecosystem of e-commerce, I've always felt that the, the operational side has been a massive part of it. Um, obviously, a lot, lots and lots of technologies are all about either acquisition or, or keeping customers on your website or getting the most conversion or order value and so on. Um, and in some respects, that's uh, a kind of almost an easier thing to engage a retailer with because that's their bottom line. It's the profit they're trying to make. But when I kind of worked at Brightpool, it was so apparent that there was such a need for particularly multi-channel retailers and you know, you start throwing multiple channels for e-commerce transactions into the mix, maybe even some stores, um, and even phone orders and things like that, or or B2B. And you suddenly realize actually it's all very well getting customers. But if you don't look after them in terms of you know how their um services are then um being experienced after the sale, in terms of getting their product, being able to return the product. Um, you know, ship in a timely manner from different locations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, suddenly it's like, wow, there's a whole diff- a whole new sort of additional world behind the scenes that you you could neglect, you know? So I thought, you know, it would be important really because Brightpole is such a prevalent solution in that space, um, both here and obviously globally, um, that it would be really um, good to get um, Sarah to, um, you know, talk to the, the listeners and us about um, how they 
help in that side of things. Excellent. And um, I'm really glad you've got them on because uh, there's some great topics coming up. We're going to get into reviews. We're going to get into the cost of customer acquisition. Uh, Prepare to have your mind blown a little bit in that bit. And we are also obviously going to be talking about some of the ways in which you can work out how to improve that all important customer experience. So, um, Phil, are you ready to get our guest on? Yeah, let's do it. It's time to welcome our guest. Sarah Athrill is the Product Marketing Manager at BrightPearl. BrightPearl are a retail operations platform used by high-growth merchants to manage their multi-channel orders and inventory. That's the bit of the e-commerce systems mix that people often don't think of as being central to sales growth. Now, if you're one of the people who thinks that it's not important, you're wrong. Uh, Prepare to be re-educated in today's show. Sarah is joining us to explain exactly how all the way from Austin, Texas. Hello, Sarah. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? Hello, Sarah. Hi. We are good. Thank you. Feeling somewhat colder than I imagine you are right now. Yes, I imagine as well. I think it's um, uh, about 70 degrees Fahrenheit is the the estimate for today. So Nice. A little bit better than what you guys have, I imagine. Absolutely. Although it is clear for once. <laughs> the sun is actually out, which is nice. Oh, that's good. Guy, but yeah, that's about three times a year we get that. <laughs> <laughs> they knew we were recording today. Absolutely, they decided yeah. To, yeah. to make the sun shine. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, so Sarah, tell me, someone told me on the grapevine that you went to university in Vegas? <laughs> I mean, come on, please tell us yeah. what it's like to be a student. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, the rumor is true. Um, I sort of by luck ended out in Nevada and in Vegas specifically, much to even my own surprise. Um, I transferred there for college and Actually, at the time, I had never even visited Las Vegas, so it was quite a culture shock, um, just given the the obvious sort of reputation of Las Vegas, right? Um, and I always like to tell people I'm very grateful that I'm I'm not a gambler, <laughs> so I think that that helped a lot living in that city. Um, I was. I'll, I'll be pretty transparent, not entirely focused on my studies, of course, um, particularly in my freshman year. But um, yeah, I, I actually ended up falling in love with it and ended up staying after I graduated for a couple of years. Um, well, falling in love with gambling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, and I, I, I always try to tell people like it's it's an entirely different city when you live there. Um, there's some really cool stuff to do sort of outside of, of the traditional uh, reputation that it has. And so some really cool uh, sort of local dive bars and lots of hiking stuff to do outside, really good food and shopping. Um, And the weather, right, as well. Beautiful. Yeah, the weather's fantastic. I mean, it certainly gets warm in the summertime, but it's a very dry heat, um, which I prefer. So it's, um, and everything's air conditioned, right? So you sort of go from one place to another and you're only, only hot for a little bit, but it's a really great city. I, yeah, shout out to, uh, UNLV running ribs. Um, <laughs> but, and I actually, I'm lucky I have friends that are still there and I go back pretty often. So. Oh, cool. Um, so we're really keen to understand how having the right back end system can help an e-commerce business grow. So why don't you tell us all about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we think about growing a business, there there's so many different directions that you can go in from maybe exploring new channels and markets to, of course, just like cutting costs. But 
those efforts are really risky um, without really putting in like the right research or even some investment from a money standpoint beforehand. And when I talk to retailers, I think there's something that you know, they can implement almost immediately, which is focusing on really perfecting that customer experience and really understanding how something like a backend system can, can help them with that process because it's sort of on the back burner, right? And we've actually done some research pretty recently into this idea of like the rising review culture. And we found that 77% of poor reviews are related directly to issues that shoppers have after they click the buy button. So by adding a back office solution to your tech stack, that really helps with things like automating those super annoying and very time consuming and very repeatable workflows. Um, you know, stuff like order management and making sure your pick pack ship processes are, are good in your warehouse while also helping to reduce like the room for any errors that happen that in turn would cause a poor customer experience. So when you've got software that helps really build on those workflows and, um, create processes that retailers can then start focusing on like the fun stuff and the, the ways of innovation that can actually take your business to the next level. So sort of not making the, the back end stuff an afterthought, really bringing that to the forefront and recognizing that in the long run, that is what's going to grow your business. Um, it's something that, yeah, it, it's sort of like a light bulb when we explain it to people, they're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I haven't thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's intuitive. You've done it that way, actually based on research about what would really matter to them. As opposed to saying, hey, hey, we've got this multi-channel system, da da da. You're kind of saying, hold on a minute, there's a real driver that we're gonna be able to help you, you know. Um, no, that's good. And that stat, Sarah, that's that's kind of mental. So 70% of poor reviews is because of what happens after the buy button. And if I think about the average e-commerce business I come across, 70% of effort is not being put into what happens after the buy button, is it? You know, we think of how much effort we spend on the pre-purchase experience and how little effort many people spend in the in the back office it just it seems like an absolute no-brainer to go get that sorted yeah it's and especially when you think about like as soon as somebody hits that buy button there's at least 30 different steps that happen to get that item to your consumer and so um it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort. And in theory, if you mess it up, it's really detrimental. And I think that's where a lot of our sort of research around reviews and, and streamlining those operations come into play. But and of course, the thing about them is if you've got the right system in place, then once you set it up once, it should just, for 90% of customers, just happen seamlessly if you actually take the time and effort to work out what your process is and implement it with the right tech. So it, so it's completely avoidable. Yeah, especially when you can automate sort of those like uh, more average orders. So the the new th- you know the things that come in that are pretty standard, right? Like just your normal order. If you can automate those, then you're no longer having to hire a person to go in and look at every single order that comes through to make sure it's okay. When you're able to automate those processes and really bring to attention only like the weird ones. So maybe ones that, you know, have a different amount of SKUs or have a super high amount of, of SKUs on them, things like that, that then sort of get routed into 
your bucket for more attention. Now you're starting to save tons of time, which sort of go back to that initial question of growing your business because you're not spending that time doing like those more menial tasks. Now you can focus on the cool, the fun, the marketing, um, you know, going into new channels, exploring new partnerships, things like that. And the, the cool thing about that is it makes the customer experience better for everyone because those people who've got the simple orders, it all just happens for them. And those people who've got the complicated orders, your team have the time to actually make sure that those huge orders or the orders going to difficult places can actually get to the right place. You know, and, and that it, it, that, so then everybody has a great experience, which makes such a difference to the reviews, which is such a great way of tracking, you know, how well the business is performing. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right, Chloe. And, and, Another stat that sort of always gets my attention is uh, all around like the cost of acquisition for retailers and the fact that it's doubled in the last five years. And so there is so much more technology that we're adding to our stack that, you know, has to help acquire these new customers from getting them to your website to being on social media, all that kind of stuff that almost always you will lose money on the first sale because you've spent so much money getting them <laughs> to you, right? So like the profit is just not there, which means it's that much more important to get somebody for the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth sale. And if you do not have a good experience for that customer, then the likelihood of them coming back is really minimal. So it's that much more important to create a good experience, especially on the first time, but then every time after to be able to get that repeat business that is so important to really growing, especially in a world that's usually pretty competitive for a lot of retailers out there. That, that's just throwing up so many questions in my head. But um, but the first thing I say is doubled in the last five years? That's crazy. Well, when you think about the market's just becoming so competitive, right? So you've got PPC and people, retailers are using agencies and they're developing their websites to be bigger and better and faster. They've got you know email automation. And I'm shockingly would not expect it or would expect it to increase even more just as that that sort of trend continues. I suppose when I first heard the start, I'm like, wow, that's mad. But actually, you think about it for about 30, well, about half a second, you're like, no, no, that does actually make sense. That makes complete sense. <laughs> yeah. And actually, even sort of another, uh, in our most recent research that we've done around um, retailers and their tech stack, we pulled over 200 US retailers and... In that, we found that more than two-thirds of decision makers in that that realm believe that the investments in software for retail are actually going to increase even more in 2020. So it's just going to sort of continue down that path um, and be that much more important, you know? Totally. And I was just reading something the other day where for the first time in England, anyway, in Britain, for the first time in like a decade, e-commerce sales have begun to go down and they've been on the rise for the last 10 years. So you bring that into the mix and you bring the margins into the mix and you bring the cost of acquisition from all those other channels you were talking about, Sarah, you know, and you can see how it's going to get even more um, important in, in, you know, this year to, to invest properly in the technology for sure. Exactly. And if you don't, like the consumers are going to go somewhere else. Like they're going to go to your competitor. They're going to find somebody who sells a very similar product, but can get it to them easier and more efficiently. And that's where their loyalty will lie. It, it's a bit like we've kind of we've had the e-commerce marketplace gold rush, where we've all all the retailers have got in, all the new people have got in, and we you know we've all created these great great businesses, and it's been like this land grab for consumer attention, and now 
the consumers have now kind of reached their spending threshold for online. And, uh, you know, everyone's now buying online and they know how much on average they're going to spend online. It's like, oh man, now we've got to compete with each other to get the spend. I actually have to give, you know, care more about um, what service I'm giving and repeat purchase. Mental. <laughs> I know. And it even, it opens up into like brick and mortar too, which is becoming more popular. Um, even, especially for like those, D to C, you know, digitally native brands like Warby Parker and, and Bonobos. Um, there I've read recently that those digitally native brands are set to open 850 stores in the next five years, um, which creates, you know, processes like buy online, pick up in store, click and collect over in the UK that are also, you know, now opening up an, an, an ideal for customer experience that's actually in the store um, and those being done correctly. So it's just, it's a wild world. I'm, I'm excited I get to be a part of it. It's certainly challenging, but um, not boring. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, yeah, it's never, it's never boring. So for, for those listening who maybe at the start of this thought that the back office is just the back office, it just does stuff and where I need to focus all my effort is on my Facebook ads. Um, hopefully we've convinced them already why, why they should be paying a lot more attention to their back end. But Sarah, you do a lot of work and you speak to a lot of retailers who are trying to solve those back end problems. Where, where are the big gains to be made? Where does someone start if they, if they've, you know, seen the light in 2020 and have gone, I need to sort out the back office. Yeah. I mean, if they've gotten to that point, I, I typically, when you get to that realization, um, I always like to instruct people to really pay attention to stuff out there that's right in front of them, like reviews that they're getting online. Um, because usually when you identify trends in those reviews, that's where you find that stat, right? Like, holy crap, this isn't just about my product. This is about the stuff that's happening all in, in the, the background. Um, and so I think in general, once you are able to understand that aspect, then you come to something like, uh, like Bright Pearl and recognize, okay, how is this going to impact my entire business? How am I going to now be able to streamline all the stuff that happens that's so critical to that operational efficiency? And when you look at those reviews, I mean, you guys know they have completely changed the consumer world and, and not just in retail, but in every single sector across every single industry. So I use reviews every single time I buy something, <laughs> whether it's shoes or a car or literally anything on Amazon, <laughs> I will not purchase something before checking for reviews. And even in addition to sort of that crazy stat that I mentioned earlier, we also found out that I'm not the only one when it comes to to researching these reviews that 95% of shoppers will read an online review before they make a purchase. And over 90% say that, yeah, those reviews absolutely affect my buying decision. So it's pretty wild you know, to actually trust a retailer. They're looking at their reviews. They want to see at least anywhere from 30 to 35 positive reviews. So I think it's important for retailers to recognize the power behind it and, and identify those consistencies and then find technologies to fill the gaps, which a lot of times is something like Bright Pearl, where you're streamlining those inefficiencies and then able to figure out if the systems that you have in place in your tech stack are either helping you or hurting you and, and making sure that obviously it's, it's the former and doing your research and your due diligence to find the thing that um, is really going to let you take your business to that next level without hopefully costing, you know, tons of money or, or tons of time and things like that. 
I, I like the um, the extra stats you've added in there about you know the ninety percent of consumers saying that reviews impact their buying decisions. I think you know as you said we can all relate to, and it I think it's easy as a retailer to think of the reviews as being a box you have to say oh we've got reviews brilliant. Or to look at a review, a bad review, and go, well, we'll fix it for that customer and it's dealt with. Or to look at the reviews and go, oh, look, we've got a trend of this. Maybe we should fix that. But to forget the huge impact that reviews have on new customer acquisition. You know, and it it's if you're not fixing these these problems once, you know, by changing the systems and improving things, then you're wasting time and money. But you're also meaning you continue to get bad reviews coming back in, which means you continue to negatively have an impact on your potential new customers, which they are, they really are kind of, if you get, if you get it right and you've got your systems right there, they're a huge kind of almost like a turbo booster, I suppose, on your, on your customer retention and acquisition. But, but if, if not, then you're you know you're kind of still pushing a car up a hill with square wheels, which is an analogy which doesn't necessarily work, guys. But you know we'll roll with it. You are you are Chloe. I'm glad you mentioned that too because um, you know so often we talk about how systems in your tech stack can help generate positive reviews. But you're right. There's there's the flip side of that, which is it helping to mitigate bad reviews, right? And so um, knowing that each of those things go hand in hand. So of course, I want to create a good customer experience so that people come to my site and leave me, you know, five-star reviews. But we also know that folks are usually more likely to leave reviews when they've had a bad experience. And so it's that much more important to avoid that, <laughs> you know, if possible, because I, this is, I think probably in the, all the reviews um, research that we did, the stat that like was just wild is that when we pulled those, those retailers um, and we also did consumers as well in this, in this report, those consumers said 60% of them said that they were put off from buying from a retailer by only one single negative review. I mean, that's just insane. <laughs> like it takes one bad review to, to say, Hey, I'm not going to purchase this product. So it, you know, and it takes, uh, I think five negative reviews to just stop them in their tracks on average from buying. So it's like, what can I do to, of course, obviously get those five star reviews, but also I need to do whatever I can to avoid the bad ones because that has an exponential effect on my business for a long time. That's it. The power of sentiment, isn't it? Yeah. It's unbelievable. You know, you've only got to upset one person and the fallout from that is unbelievable. And it's so much harder to actually earn and keep the good relationship, you know, even in life, we know, don't we? But in, in e-commerce, it's absolutely no different. Yeah, you're right. And in, in this world of social media, it's it's not just about, you know, going on to something like Trustpilot and leaving a bad review. They're doing that, but they're also telling their friends and their family and their coworkers, and they're putting it on their own Facebook and their own Instagram about, you know, what a miserable experience this was. And so, you know, it, it's just why as opposed to then trying to sort of do damage control, right? And, and and pick up the pieces and fix it. Like, let's just stop it from happening altogether. And Sarah, I want to come back to something we were talking a little bit about earlier, where you were saying that the kind of the first thing for someone who's going to take their, you know, their, that this whole thing seriously is to look at what trends there are in the reviews and start fixing those problems. I'm guessing, you know, someone starts fixing the problems um, without wanting to put words in your mouth, but certainly in my experience, it's an awful lot easier to fix those problems if you have everything running through one system. And so you're not trying to kind of patch different systems together whilst you're doing this. So um, is that something you guys experience a lot? Is a lot of 
people come to you at the point where they've got a spreadsheet and then um, Dave in the warehouse has got a list and, you know, and maybe Sheila on calls has got, a, you know, a tick list that she does and she can only have, she's the only person who can do returns. If Sheila ain't in, we can't process a return. Um, do, do you find a lot of retailers coming to you with those kind of disjointed problems and that's what, what Bright Pearl is so- solving for them? Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and I, I remember sort of first getting into this industry and being almost surprised that in the year, you know, we're now in 2020, that there were still such manual processes that multi-million dollar retailers were using, you know, to, to run their business. Um, and sort of how, how easy it was for us to come in and sort of flip that mentality and say, well, have you ever thought about, you know, putting a system in place to help automate these processes? And let's just take a look at how much time you're spending right now, um, you know, trying to manage returns when the one person who's responsible for that isn't in the office or she takes a vacation, like, you know, (laughs) let's let her go enjoy herself a little bit. Um, And so it's, it's always interesting to go in, particularly when I go visit customers on site, to see, have them walk me through what their processes are and then come in and and figure out how a system can help fill a gap. And even beyond sort of the, the spreadsheet or the manual aspect, you also run into situations where they have a pretty large tech stack, but each of those systems are incredibly disjointed. So they don't talk to each other. There's no sort of integration that's happening. Um, you know, a lot of times you're having to, to log in and out of these systems uh, tens, if not hundreds times a day to get the information that you need. And so then it's sort of the next level of conversation is, okay, how do we bridge these gaps within each other? Like, how can we make your e-commerce site talk to Bright Pearl and then talk to your shipping software? Um, all that kind of stuff then really takes you to the next level because you're, I mean, if you think about just the amount of time you spend logging in and out of a system every single day, if you're able to eliminate that, your efficiencies go through the roof. And so it's particularly fun to have those conversations, um, not necessarily with sort of the higher level, the CEO, the CIO, the CTO, but the people who are on the floor doing this every single day um, and really trying to, you know, change their mentality and and the look of excitement that they get when they say, oh my God, (laughs) you just saved me an hour every single day. (laughs) Thank you so much. And uh, given we're, we're now very much talking about the sorts, sorts of things and sorts of ways even in which you solve problems for people, do you want to tell us a bit more about Bright Pearl and how those who are interested can get in touch with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, by definition, Bright Pearl is a true retail operations platform that one of my favorite parts about working for Bright Pearl is it is built specifically for brands, retailers, and wholesalers. And it's all about automating the important but very time-consuming um, and very manual back office operations. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, think about it in regards to the buy button. There's at least 30 steps that happen between when a customer hits buy and when it actually ships. And a lot of the times those steps are very disjointed or they're done manually and can get really messed up, um, especially as a business gets more complex. So Bright Pearl comes in and does things like consolidates your orders across all your different channels while managing your inventory in real time for all those different channels. And since we're fully integrated within the whole retail tech ecosystem, we have tons and tons of knowledge on what other software make up a retailer's tech stack and how they all should connect with each other to 
automate that as much as possible. And all the research that I've mentioned today, um, the crazy stats <laughs> that I threw out there, those can be found on our website at brightpearl.com. And we are always highlighting those um, on our social networks as well. So you can check us out there, LinkedIn at Bright Pearl, and then Twitter and Facebook at Bright Pearl HQ. That is brilliant. I mean, Bright Pearl is a, a company that's close to my heart because I used to I used to work at Bright Pearl for a few years, and it was it was fantastic to see how we were helping retailers in the way you were talking about, Sarah. You know, I suppose the one thing I just wanted to really hammer home, if you like, really just from your perspective is. Of course, you know, we're all software companies. We're all um, trying to do the best we, we can for our customers. Um, and so, I mean, if you were to explain to me or our listeners or retailers in general that are out there, um, you know, why, why they would, you know, kind of speak to Brightpole because of the expertise that you have in the marketplace. Because, of course, you know, there are so many different solutions out there. What would you, how would you kind of package up Brightpole um, as, you know, a really important reason why, when you boil it down, they need to speak to Brightpole? You know, from all the experience you've got and all the hundreds of customers you've now got globally, how would you kind of boil that down? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. I think there's sort of two ways that I would answer it. As I've mentioned a couple of times throughout the episode today, you know, there's, there are is tons of competition out there in the software retail world. So Bright Pearl is not the only one out there. Um, and I think when I even was considering my career and, and coming to Bright Pearl as a product marketer, you really search for things that make your job and it being easy to sell and easy to market, right? Like from a career standpoint. And the one thing that really drew me to Bright Pearl was and I realized immediately was the level of empathy that we have for our customers. Um, this goes beyond what you see on our website and um, from a marketing standpoint, but never have I worked at a company where there is such a genuine motivation to help our customers succeed. And it is from the very beginning of your sales process to you being a customer for 10 years. Um, we are constantly trying to improve. We are, uh, you know, on our own sort of internal channels talking about the stuff that we need to fix for our customers or the cool things that we're doing for our customers. And it creates this environment that is very motivating. And I think when you look at sort of the, the tech stack world out there in general, there's, like I said, tons of stuff to choose from, but you need to find the company that has that level of empathy um, and particularly the level of expertise, which is my second point where we only work with retailers. Like that's all that we do. Um, there's no other vertical, there's no other medium that we're focused on. So that empathy is reiterated by the fact that every single day we're there helping customers do what you're trying to do. Um, and so it sort of combines the, the best of both worlds, this level of expertise with this level of empathy and creates a company that is designed to grow your business. And, and we don't succeed unless you succeed. And so um, it's a fascinating place to work. It's an incredibly interesting industry. It's a very motivational place to be. Um, and so I think it's important for customers to sort of recognize beyond just what we do and, and, um, um, the software itself, how we do it, and the services that accompany it. I think that's all stuff that everybody needs to pay attention to. Um, and I'm really proud at the end of the day to work for a company that that focuses on that. Wow, fantastic. Thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. 
Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, it's been brilliant getting deep into some awesome stats. I do love a good stat. Um, but also really exploring that area, which for retailers, it's very easy, I think, to ignore sometimes what's going on in the back end and what's, you know, what's happening in the warehouse, what's happening with customer service and, and the, you know, the results of those reviews. So I think, I think we've really shone a light on it today and I hope we've helped a lot of you listeners out there. So Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. It was awesome. Fantastic. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So Phil, that was our, our chat there with Sarah. Um, yeah. What a what an interesting interesting series of things we talked about. There. I cannot actually quite believe how much we covered in just our our one chat. So what we what for you were the kind of the key takeaways? I, I found that it was very interesting actually that Brightpole have kind of really thought about what they're trying to do um, in terms of helping a retailer with a specific pain point. Um, and actually kind of, you know, doing the due deal, if you like, to explain that actually a lot of the operational problems that can occur in, with a retailer um, are actually um, detrimenting customer lifetime value. I think that's a very clever thing to do because um, if you go to a retailer and you're talking about operational efficiency and hours saved and this kind of thing, that is obviously really important. But actually, if you can link that back very strongly to the fact that actually, if you don't seriously consider this stuff, it's not just about operational efficiency, it's about you retaining your customers and uh, making sure they come back and you know increase their customer lifetime value, all of a sudden, you've got a much more powerful value proposition. So I, I found that actual part of this really interesting. Um, yeah, I think it's so easy for people just to think, oh, the back office is the back office. But when you actually sit down and think about it, if you're annoying customers, then you're annoying someone who may give up on their order and want their money back. So you've lost them. Or they might still place this order, but you've annoyed them enough, they're never going to place an order with you again. And you're creating content, because we've all got to get reviews, you're creating content which is leading to future customers who don't even know the customers that you've, you've, you've annoyed to not buy from you because they're seeing service was shocking. The product never arrived. The courier was awful. Um, they took two months to process my returns payment. You know, it, it's these things which we think, oh, it's a bit annoying. It's a bit annoying. It's a bit annoying. But actually it has so such ramifications above and beyond Absolutely. the warehouse. <laughs> I mean, I was on, um, I just thought about something actually. I was on the train the other day and there was quite uh, clearly quite well-to-do guy, clearly had a bit of money. He was sat there and he was trying to get a return processed over the phone to this company. I don't know who the company was. And he got just completely, you know, aggressive, actually, um, by the time it was like, your company is so difficult to deal with, you know? And the value of the item, actually, was about 1,500 quid. And um, you can imagine if you've shelled out 1,500 pounds on something and it's something you need to return and it's not going that well, you know, and they couldn't find it. And then, you know, they had other issues, but he, he was giving them the tracking reference a number of times. He says, your company is so difficult to deal with. and I'm never going to deal with you again. And I'm going to take this up with X, Y, and Z sort of, I don't know, body or whatever. And I was like, wow. But I just remembered actually, you know, this is part and parcel, isn't it? And his, his reaction was like, wow, if you get that as a brand and you haven't got those prices stitched up, I've seen it firsthand, you know, what the fallout of that is. 
Yes. And I think the other thing is if you've got those higher price points, consumers think you've got the margin to be good at this stuff. You know, if it's a £10 item and all you ship are £10 items, well, they probably haven't got a lot of margins, so customer service can be a bit further down the line. But £1,500 items, I expect some good customer service from that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. And haven't we all in our real lives seen the pain of bad customer experience? So obvious how it can then impact on future growth. We had some great stats and ideas and recommendations there. So make sure you head to segmentify.com forward slash podcast, where you can get your hands on all the links and resources mentioned in this episode of the e-commerce growth show and a full transcript. That's a written version of this whole episode. Via that link, you will also find details of the whole e-commerce growth show series. Right now, there's only one left to be put live. So you've got five you can binge on. In the final episode of this series, Phil and I will be joined by Tash Jones from Smart Freight, with whom we will be talking more about post-purchase growth strategies, this time in the world of shipping and carrier management. Don't miss it. Put us to the test and let us prove we can drive more revenue for you. Sign up for a completely free proof of concept or split test against your current provider. Set up and optimized by our team within a few days at segmentify.com slash demo.